Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! What's going on, guys? And welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, October 28th, 2021. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week. Ahead of Halloween this upcoming Sunday, which, of course, I'm super looking forward to. It's been a very busy last couple of weeks, months, year, obviously, on the whole. Um, but especially this week, as I was in attendance for Dynamite with RJ on Wednesday. He's back here on the show today here to help me break down the complete show in its entirety. Uh, when we went to Dynamite two years ago, Alexis and I recorded the review of the show on our way home, which was fun, um, but I was exhausted by the end of it. So I didn't do that with RJ in the car last night. We just kind of saved the review for right now. And we gave our full match-by-segment breakdown of the complete show um, of Dynamite in Boston from Wednesday. So we'll get into that momentarily. But before then, I got my exclusive interview with WWE superstar and legend, obviously, Ray Mysterio, talking all about his move to Monday Night Raw, working with his son Dominic, and so much more. It's such a great, cool conversation that I'm looking forward to you guys hearing here today on WrestleRant Radio. One final thing before we get started, you guys can check out new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, and Podbean. You can rate the show, review the show, and subscribe to the show. Never miss an episode every single Thursday. And without further ado, please enjoy my exclusive interview with WWE legend Ray Mysterio. What's going on, guys? Graham Jason Matthews here with Bleach Report. Today, we're talking to WWE legend Rey Mysterio, ahead of his move to Raw, coming out of the 2021 WWE draft, starting this Monday on USA Network, Monday Night Raw, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. Ray, my man, how you doing? Very good, Graham. Thank you for having me, man. Absolutely. And like I said, you've been now moved to the Raw roster, and it feels like every year since you've come back to the company, back in 2018, you're from Raw to SmackDown, SmackDown to Raw, back on Monday nights. Uh, you've been a partial, you know, you've been a part of the SmackDown brand more than you have Raw over the course of your career. Are you more partial to one brand or the other at this point in your career? I was actually just about to tell you that I've, I've always been a, a blue color, man. SmackDown has always been the brand for me for some reason. Uh, you know, uh, it's worked better for me and I've gotten used to uh, the SmackDown brand. But uh, I always like uh, change, you know, and I like to adapt. And especially now with my son kicking off his career, you know, it's going to be exciting. You know, uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of talent on raw right now. And we're looking forward to working with uh, many of those. Yeah. A lot of talent, a lot of fresh faces, both in the tag team division, singles competition, for both of you guys. So it makes for a lot of potential interesting matchups, which we'll get to a little bit later on. But like you mentioned, you've always been a blue brand guy since the start of your career, almost 20 years ago in WWE. Uh, but you said you like change. So at this point, Every time, every time a draft comes around, since you came back to the company three years ago, you've been drafted every single time. So come the 2021 draft, are you just expecting, all right, I'm headed to Raw at this point? Like, are you already of that mindset? Uh, yes. I think once we got drafted that very night, mm-hmm. you know, I remember sitting down with my son and said, okay, we got to make the best out of this opportunity. And it's almost like a fresh new start for us, you know? Um, obviously, we... Uh, we became first father and son tag team champions. And uh, that's, that's on our, on a review mirror right now, you know, hoping that we can get an opportunity or at least earn an opportunity first to eventually, uh, you know, meet the champions. Yeah, absolutely. RK bro stole the raw tag team champions coming out of crown jewel yesterday. So that could be a great matchup at some point. And Ray, you've been long enough to know that in the draft, there's been a lot of instances where we see tag team partners split up. So for you, was there ever a chance or a thought, okay, there might be a chance that Dominic and I end up on separate shows or was it more of a thing for you that you were adamant that you guys stay together wherever you ended up? No, I think that was definitely up to destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did talk about it. I said, if we uh, eventually get split up, then, uh, you know, it was meant to be. You go your way, I go mine. And at the same time, you know, 
it would have given my son some uh, independence and, and for him to grow on his own. Um, you know, uh, pretty much the story that we were telling right before we got drafted to Raw. You know, uh, so it it wasn't in the back of our minds, but it was nothing that we were worrying about. You know, if anything, mm-hmm. it probably would have been good, you know, a change. And you mentioned it right there. I mean, the storyline that you guys have had going on the last couple of weeks. I mean, obviously, Dominic has been linked with you ever since he came into the company about a year ago on a full time basis. And uh, you guys won the tag team titles. You guys have had some issues on TV lately. So thankfully, that story is still, you know, going on, just being kind of drafted as well from Fridays to Mondays. Uh, What have been your thoughts on this recent, you know, storyline working with your son on TV in this capacity? No longer the tag team champions. Uh, He's had some matches against Sammy. You had a match against Sammy recently. We haven't seen on TV lately with all the draft stuff going on right now, but Obviously, come Monday's Raw, we'll probably see the continuation to that. But what have been your thoughts on the ongoing storyline with Dominic on WWE TV? You know, I've been enjoying every moment uh, that I've had a chance to step in the ring with my son. Uh, in the ring and backstage, just interacting has been incredible. Um, it has been uh, almost the rebirth of my career. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I uh, see him. Uh, and I go back and think of my first baby steps, you know, in this industry. So uh, I've been enjoying it to the fullest. Um, with the story, you know, uh, hopefully, um, since Sammy is staying on SmackDown, if we do cross paths again, then, uh, you know, uh, we'll bring it back up. But I'm hoping that with this draft over to Raw, that we get a fresh new start and uh, we start looking at, at some opponents on who to face. Yeah, and there's plenty of opponents on Monday nights from Finn Balor, AJ Styles. You got the Street Profits on Mondays as well. RK Bro, Alpha Academy, among many other tag teams and other fresh faces, like I said, in the singles uh, ranks as well. Um, And you've talked a lot before, Dominic has as well, that regardless of where it happens, when it happens, a one-on-one match between you two would be the ultimate goal. And it would be a lot of fun to obviously work with your son for him to work with his father. It would be awesome. Is that still the end game for you at this point, regardless of what happens with this ongoing story with your son, uh, to have that one-on-one match, regardless of what that stage looks like? You know, we we talked about uh, a lot of wrestling as a team before Mm -hmm. he even stepped in the ring or in a WWE ring, you know, uh, in his training uh, upcoming. And uh, it was something that we envisioned, you know, imagine the day that we get to wrestle together. And then imagine the day when we get to face each other. And as his uh, career took off and, and so fast, you know, uh, that match that we dreamed about of wrestling together happened so fast in the blink of an eye, you know, after his debut against Seth Rollins. So, um, the, seeing the growth within my son and, and just seeing how attached I've been to him. Um, and I know eventually I got to let him go and, and have him uh, grow on his own. But uh, it would be very, very hard for me to face him, you know, on a, a one-on-one. Um, just, it, it's hard, you know, even even as a father, when, when Dom and, and my daughter as well were growing up, you know, uh, I was hard on him only when I needed to. And, uh, you know, wasn't the spanking type. Uh, I would just punish him and that would hurt me. So uh, and I think that all has to do with the amount of time that I spent away from home, traveling, being on the road. You know, when I was home, I wanted to have quality time with them. So I, I, that's why I see it very hard to eventually, um, you know, have to face my son. Now, if that was destiny, then uh, I will accept it. Mm-hmm. And time will tell. We're not going to be getting it anytime soon. Obviously, you guys are still, uh, you know, still a team on Monday night. So maybe for not a little while until much later down the road. But I know Dominic actually mentioned recently, I think he was with uh, Ryan Satin on the Out of Character podcast. Uh, actually, earlier this month, I think he mentioned how like the ultimate goal for him or maybe for you guys both was to take on the mask, take on the name, become Rey Mysterio Jr. A lot like how you became Rey Mysterio Jr. earlier on in your career. Uh, can you confirm that's where you want to see this going as well? Maybe not in, you know, in the immediate future, but down the road, uh, something that you want to see happen with Dominic taking on the mask, taking on the name a little bit later on, or do you want to see him kind of establish his own identity as Dominic Mysterio? I think he's, he's already established his own identity as Mm -hmm. Dom Mysterio. Um, there was a lot expected from uh, the WWE universe on what he could bring to the table. And I think slowly, but surely he has been uh, holding up his own, you know, uh, uh, short little story. When I first started at the age of 14, I thought I was going to get, uh, or put the name Ray Mysterio Jr. Right off the bat. Now Mm -hmm. it took me three years 
in order to earn that name until one day my uncle surprised me and granted me the mask with the name Ray Mysterio Jr. So uh, I learned that you have to work for things in life, you know, and that was a perfect example, especially in this industry that, uh, you know, it cost me a lot um, to, to be able to carry the name Ray Mysterio Jr. And it happened. You know, once that happened, it was like a life transformation for me. Um, I felt like everything just was going my way. You know, my career just grew. With Dom, uh, I think eventually uh, there'll be the day where um, I'll be able to, to pass on the torch, pass on the legacy of the mask, and have him, um, you know, whether he accepts it or not, you know, the, the hard work um, that he's shown and keeps showing will eventually pay off. And hopefully that will turn into me uh, passing the mask on to my son. For sure. And I mean, he's had this opportunity to work with <laughs> you, a WWE legend, a wrestling legend, and his father on TV for the last year. And, and it's extra tough for him too, because it's happened during a pandemic when there were no fans in the audience for a good solid year and a half. And now uh, you guys are finally having the chance to work together on TV in front of people, which has been awesome. Uh, with Dom's training, was it mostly like a you and Dom working one-on-one -on -one together? Was it kind of a mix of like him working at the performance center, like some of the trainers over there, or was it like a mix of both? It was, it was actually a mix of uh, several things. Um, I remember the first uh, time, our first day, he stepped into a ring. It was in California, San Diego. And uh, we had some of his godfathers, Conan, uh, Damien, myself, um, you know, and, and we kind of, tested the waters with him to see if he had what it take, what it took to, to uh, be part of, of, of the wrestling world. And the first baby steps that he took, I realized right away that there was something special. He was picking up things right away. And then uh, his journey started, you know, went up to, to uh, Florida to train with Jay Lethal. Um, after that, I remember speaking to Jericho and he said, if you want to get him uh, and to the right place, send him to Lance's up in Calgary. So he took a, dri a drive up to, to Calgary, stayed there and, and did a whole training session uh, with Lance. And then he came back to San Diego and did some training at uh, Level Up Wrestling in, in San Diego. And that has been kind of his journey from the beginning. And uh, of course, now uh, with him uh, being part of WWE, um, I think his next step is yet to come to eventually take time and, and uh, start going to the Performance Center and learn that WWE style. Yeah, for sure. And in time, that's going to be happening. But and I know you've talked a lot before about, you know, winning the tag titles with Dominic and we're going back a few years now. And for the fact that it's happened now, uh, especially so earlier, this year, so close to Father's Day, which was such a great moment in the feud with Roman with Dom's involvement as well was so great. Um, you guys have won the tag team titles, hopefully winning another set of tag team titles on Mondays. Uh, as part of the Raw roster now as well, maybe a one-on-one -on -one match at some point down the road. Beyond anything involving Dominic, are there any like items left on your wrestling bucket list that you want to accomplish in WWE or beyond, or is it just kind of a playing it, taking it by day and seeing it what happens from there? You know, I think at this point in my career, I am taking it uh, one day at a time. You know, mm -hmm. uh, enjoying the the moments shared in the ring with my son. Um, you know, uh, enjoying working new talent. Um, like uh, the match that I had uh, against Sami Zayn, mm -hmm. you know, I, this, that was the first time that we faced one-on-one, uh, -on -one. you know, and there's so much talent <clears throat> in the WWE roster that um, I still ha haven't had the opportunity to wrestle on a one-on-one. -on -one. So, uh, you know, I'm always up to new challenges and, uh, you know, I, I love taking on the task of, of putting on a good show for the fans, you know, so um, I'm, I'm just one day at a time and I'm enjoying it. Yeah, and you're being involved, like you said, with fresh matches almost every week. You face Sammy in the uh, you know opening round of the King of the Ring tournament recently, and now you find yourself on the Raw roster. One person I really wanted to see you work with again was Ricochet, the former Prince Puma from Lucha Underground. You guys had a great series of matches over there. He's on SmackDown now, unfortunately, but looking at the Raw roster, is there any one name that you know of that's on the show with you that comes to mind as someone that you want to work with, someone like a Finn Balor for the first time ever, or someone that you haven't faced in a while? You, you took the name right out of my mouth. <laughs> I've said it before in the past. Uh, Finn Balor is definitely a guy that I would love to step in the ring and uh, do a program with. You know, uh, I think he's an incredible talent, you know, uh, and uh, I think our, our styles clash and we would definitely give something special to remember. 
Yeah, it would be a fantastic match. And as we wind down here, Ray, my buddy of mine, his name is RJ. He's a huge fan of yours. He's uh, you're like his favorite wrestler. And he was curious. He wanted me to ask uh, when you left or, you know, WCW to WWE towards the end of your WCW run. I know you've talked about it before, uh, the whole unmasking process and whatever. You came to WWE with the mask back on. Uh, was that something that WWE wanted or something that you pushed for to have, you know, to, to put the mask back on? And obviously you've been masked ever since in WWE. Can you talk about that process a little bit? Yeah, of course. It was actually uh, WWE who brought that up, or in this case, Vince McMahon. Um, I remember getting ready to, uh, I was doing my training a week prior to my debut, and I was in OBW, and I forgot who approached me at the time, and they were like, well, uh, the the company wants to know what type of ring attire are you going to use for next week? And uh, I said, well, what I've been using, you know, I was using like the, the, Got signed in a big pop of punk chain around the head, like <laughs> yeah. gladiator chains, and a, and a vest that went along with it, the baggy pants. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, where's the mask? I said, well, I haven't been wrestling with the mask. No, 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 no. Vince wants to see me with the mask. And I was like, oh, thank God you told me now. Now I got to <laughs> get an outfit made with the mask. So um, that's when I changed my, my whole gear. You know, I was back in WCW. I was using the old school uh, tights where they just stuck to my leg. And uh, when I started with WWE, I started wearing the baggy pants, which was very similar to what I was using prior to WWE uh, when I was unmasked. And I just, I added the mask to it, you know, and that became, uh, you know, historical at that point because that's where Ray Mysterio really kicked off and was put on the map for good with WWE. Yeah, and it's been synonymous with you ever since. Uh, you've cosplayed as superheroes before. Any superheroes you still want to cosplay as going forward? Um, I think the one that I haven't done to a team that I'm hoping that uh, the opportunity comes about, mm-hmm. uh, Aquaman. Aquaman is definitely something that, I, that I've been working on. And like I said, I did something uh, a while back, but it didn't turn out the way I was expecting it. So hopefully we can kick that one off. That would be awesome, especially with fans back now, too, so they can appreciate it in person. That would be awesome. And uh, last question for you, Ray. My editor, Eric, is actually a San Diego native as well, so he was very curious. This is a totally random question, but he was curious what your take was on, like, the best taco slash burrito in the San Diego, San Diego area is. I guess it's like a it's a hot-button issue out there, I guess he had said. So any great place in the San Diego area that, to your knowledge, where you can get the best taco or burrito? <laughs> Now, for me, I grew up in San Diego, and you can only imagine going to uh, the high school out there. It was mm-hmm. always Gilberto's Taco Shop nice. when it comes down to burritos. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to tacos, um, I grew up eating tacos down south of, of the border of San Diego and Tijuana, and there's no better taco place than Tacos El Gordo. And as a matter of fact, they actually have one in Las Vegas now, actually two of them. Uh, that taste is the same. So if you're ever out in Vegas or in San Diego, hit Tacos del Gordo and have a mulita, a mule, which is off the hook. Oh, that's awesome. I wish I knew that two months ago when I was at SummerSlam in Vegas. I would have picked one up that weekend, but may- maybe the oh, next one. Oh. I know Mon- you know, Money in the Bank is going to be there next summer for uh, Fourth of July weekend. So maybe if I'm out there at that point, I could pick one up. But Ray, this has been awesome, man. Thanks so much for the time. I actually had the chance to meet you at like the Crystal Mall in Waterford, Connecticut, when I was like 12 years old. I waited for three hours oh, to meet you at a mall. It was an awesome experience. And uh, yeah, that was over a decade ago. Great talking today. I've been waiting for this one for a while. People can actually obviously catch you every Monday night on Raw, 8 p.m. Eastern time on USA Network. Ray, thanks so much for the time, man. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank you very much. Take care. Big thanks again to Ray for the time. It was so much fun. You can also check out this interview in article form over on Bleacher Report and the audio of which actually went up a lot earlier over on my YouTube channel on Monday when the article went up on youtube.com backslash Graham G. Matthew. So subscribe there and never miss the interviews as soon as they're uploaded to the channel. Now on that note, please welcome in at this time, less than 12 hours removed from our experience at AEW Dynamite, my co-host, my friend, my brother, Mr. Marceau. Brother, how you doing? Doing good, Jason. How are you? Doing all right. A little tired. Are you still recovering from Dynamite last night? Again, like I said, we're less than, not even 24, 12 hours away as we record on Thursday. Yeah, I went right to bed when I got home, so I'm not too bad. <laughs> I got home three hours later, and I went to bed soon after. But uh, yeah, no, it was a long night. So just to kind of recap, without spoilers, we got there 
attendance. Uh, we were in attendance for Elevation for about 45 minutes. You were right. We did not miss any matches on the Elevation taping. I thought we did, uh, but that women's tag team match that was taped uh, was the first one of the show. So we saw that two-hour dynamite. Rampage got going. 20 minutes later, for some reason, don't know why it took so long. Uh, maybe because they had to play Judas for the upteenth time last night, but they did that. Jericho was on commentary, of course. Uh, filmed Rampage. We took off before the main event even started. I was exhausted. I had no desire to see Abaddon in action. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I support the women's division. I enjoyed Sheeta and D, but I can't. I'm just I'm not an Abaddon fan at all. Um, so we took off before that even started. And um, that was it. So, uh, Mr. Marceau, in a nutshell, as we go down here and do a match-by-match, segment-by-segment breakdown of Wednesday's Dynamite in Boston, what were your overall thoughts and uh, kind of experience at the event? It was it was a good time. I mean, we sat, no joke, on the most annoying person I've ever experienced at a wrestling show. So I think it def- that definitely hurt the experience. Um, but I thought the show was good. For- it had its good points, had its bad points, had its terrible points, but... <laughs> I think even the good points were, were kind of hampered by this gentleman that was sitting behind us. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Overall, it was a good show, but yeah, the gentleman sitting behind us and the gentleman sitting next to me on my left specifically uh, were really bad. Uh, going to show why I just told you before we started recording here why they probably... I, I, I know you can't not sell alcohol, but maybe in just certain cities, I don't know, it seems like Boston would be a fucking mess. It's been, it was bad in New York City when we went to uh, SmackDown a couple of months ago, but... Yeah, it just was not good. But overall, I thought it was a good show. Um, the good, the bad, and the ugly, we're going to be breaking it all down here today. You and I were in attendance with Alexis for the second ever Dynamite. Two years ago, same exact building, same month, October of 2019. But going back even a little further than that, Mr. Marceau, we have a history in the month of October. As we went to Dynamite in October two years ago, we went to Dynamite this year in October, obviously. Six years ago, I think we went to our first ever show together was the Raw on October 5th. Uh, 2015. Do you remember that? Vaguely. Vaguely. Wow. Well, it was our first ever show together. I have fond memories of that night um, at the TD Garden. It was an episode of Raw. Brock Lesnar was there. But how can we forget, though, the chief among them all, Hell in the Cell, almost exactly five years from when we speak right now, also in October. Uh, that was of 2016, also at the Garden. And I was going to say that was the last time we were in Boston together, but we were there for uh, Dynamite two years ago. So, quite crazy to think we're coming up on the exact five-year anniversary of one of the worst events I think I've ever seen in my life. Oh, my God. That show, we discussed it last night. It's just a terrible show. That show <laughs> will go down. I mean, I don't I don't think it could be beat. It will go down, I think, the worst wrestling show I've ever been to. You think Survivor Series next year at the Garden is going to be able to wash away that awful taste that was left in our mouths that night? Hopefully. I think that's going to be... I was going to say that Survivor Series next year, and we'll get into this real quickly before Dynamite, the Dynamite review, but WWE just released their complete pay-per-view schedule for 2021, and we're getting a lot of cool shows coming up here in the Northeast between Providence and your neck of the woods in May, I think May 8th to be exact, and then um, the uh, Survivor Series, obviously, in November. I'm a little surprised that they're not doing SummerSlam in Boston, but I guess they want that stadium feel. Um, because they were going to do SummerSlam of the Garden last year, and then they had to pull it due to COVID. So I feel like, as a make good, they would have done it there in 2022, but I guess not. Um, but we're getting the next, maybe not the next best thing, but another big pay-per-view in Survivor Series, which is where the 2013 installment was now eight years ago, by next year, nine years ago, and one of the worst pay-per-views I've ever fucking seen. So I look forward to that, but... um. Yeah, no, there's there's a lot of stuff coming up in the next year. We have the Providence show, the Boston show. Anything else from that WWE pay-per-view schedule for 2022 really stand out to you? I mean, I love how there's more Saturday shows. I think that's a, a great addition. Uh, I like the stadium shows. Uh, interesting to see how those do. Um, allegedly, there's going to be a UK show, which is great. I, think the, I just think the Saturday show is something that sticks out to me. It's just a great idea. Yeah, no, I like the Saturday shows a lot. We got a two-night WrestleMania again. Are you in favor of that or not so much? Love that. That's that's another one of the best parts. Like I love WrestleMania, but two like one night of like eight hours, I just can't do it. I mean, ideally, obviously, like we've talked about before, I mean, a shorter show would be the best part about it. But they're never going to go back to doing that. I feel like now that they've done eight-hour shows, they're never going to go back to doing a four-hour WrestleMania, three-hour WrestleMania, even a five-hour WrestleMania. Now it's like six, seven hours long if you include the kickoff. So. I think doing a two-night WrestleMania works, and I think it's uh, you know it's worked the last couple of years, and I love the fact that they're doing that again 
next year. UK getting pay-per-view, probably getting uh, getting WWE pay-per-view most likely in September over Labor Day slash All Out Weekend. Uh, SummerSlam in Nashville, very random. Uh, what stadium is in Nashville? Are you familiar with that at all? It's Nissan Stadium. It's where the Titans play. Oh, okay. Is it a nice stadium from what you know? I mean, it's... I don't know how nice it is, but it's uh, it's like near downtown Nashville, so I could see why they, they'd want to go there. Did you go to Nashville at one point? I did. For what? I just went to see a... I had a friend that was in the military that was down there. Oh, okay. You didn't see any sports games. I did not. No, I just went to the bars and got drunk. <laughs> I think I'm it, thinking of when you went to Miami and saw the Dolphins play, right? Yeah, I've been to Miami a few times to see the Dolphins play. Nice, nice. Uh, Money in the Bank in Vegas, did that interest you at all? Oh, yeah, it's on the, it's on the list. <laughs> we got to get through Survivor Series first in a couple of weeks. That's coming up in less than a month. Uh, I know you're just super amped about the Raw versus SmackDown bullshit, especially if The Rock isn't going to be there. That kind of lessens my enthusiasm a little bit, but we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, Money in the Bank in Vegas. I know you're pumped for it. You went to two Money in the Banks? We Did we go to one together? Yeah, we did. We did. In 2018, you went to one in 2020. Well, you would have gone to one, Mr. Marceau, every Four years, if you think about it, 2014, 2018, and 2022. That's quite crazy. Yeah, 2014 was the one that Cena won the fucking championship, and I thought Bray Wyatt was going to win. Look where we are now. Remember we were talking the other day? um, I think when we were talking about Dynamite, and I said that, you were like, oh, it's going to be my first time seeing Brian Danielson in person since WrestleMania 30. And I mentioned WrestleMania 35, which we were at. But what I was going to text you even before I, before I even remembered that, I was going to text you that you technically saw him in person at Money in the Bank. Or wasn't Brian on the pre-show at Money in the Bank 2014 with Bo Dallas? <laughs> Making like a boner joke or something? Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> he was on the kickoff. Man, it was pretty bad. But uh, yeah, at any rate, so I look forward to that. There's a lot of shows coming up in uh, 2022 and uh, even more to come in 2021 but let's get into the dynamite last night what was called the halloween edition of dynamite as we found out in the main event which will save the uh, best for last so to speak but we open the evening with cm punk versus bobby fish one-on-one first time ever bobby fish just debuted in the company a couple short a few short weeks ago and is already involved in high profile matches with sammy guevara for the aw tnt title brian danielson in the main event of dynamite a few weeks ago and now um cm punk um, beating or not beating him, but coming close on various occasions, which was uh, interesting, kind of taking him to the limit. I'm not sure if everyone needs to take CM Punk to the limit. He spent far more time in offense than I was expecting, um, but I thought it was a good match, good for what it was, marred by a weird finish where Punk hits the GTS, kind of takes his time in covering Fish. Fish kicks out a two and a half, two and three quarters, two and nine tenths, and the referee still counts three. So crowd was confused. We all kind of expected CM Punk to win, but uh, the match itself was good and that finish was weird. So uh, talk me through this, Mr. Marceau. What were your thoughts on it? No, I thought it was a good match. I just, I think what I'm looking at it now, I, I like Punk. I thought like he was obviously a great get for the company, but I feel like every match so far he's had, he's basically been taken to the limit. He's on every show. He's all over the place. It's like he's starting to lose his, his mystique. I mean, he's supposed to be like their big star and it's like, It'd be one thing he's supposed to. He, they should be booking him like a Brock Lesnar. Like he should be special. He shouldn't get him every week. Like if you put him on every week, he's just as common as every other guy in the roster. And I feel like he's had good matches, but when you get taken the limit by every guy in the roster, how how good does that make you look? So I thought it was good for Bobby Fish. I mean, I don't love him as a singles guy. I think he's good, but I mean, just he's fine for what he is. But I, I mean. I'm surprised they're pushing them as much as they have, but the match was good. It was a good start to the show, but I feel like Punk needs to be more exclusive and probably should be winning more handily than he has. Well, I think the key word that you mentioned to me last night was that he felt commonplace. Uh, Would you just go about booking him less in order to feel more special? Is that what you were just saying? Yeah, just like have him, if you're going to book him, book him less and then actually look dominant. Like he, Bobby Fish, like, like I said, he was on offense probably. More than half the match against against Punk and like kicking his ass. Like, I just feel like Punk is a superstar. He is like one of their biggest guys. So you shouldn't just put him out there every week just to put him out there. It's clearly it's not working. Just like I don't know. I feel like maybe they thought it'd be a bigger deal. So at first he was kind of more of a more of exclusive and wasn't really on everything. But now he's on every show. Like he was on Rampage. He was on last night. He's on every show now. So. 
I guess at this point he is what he is, but I, if I was them, I would have made, made him more special, not just another guy on the roster. And like I've said before, too, I think the biggest problem is the fact that he really hasn't settled into one, you know, regular storyline. Uh, Brian Danielson, I think he's been having a lot of matches as well, but the biggest difference with him is that, one, he was more active than CM Punk. I mean, he was active in WWE every week, so him wrestling every week, I understand. I love Punk. I've enjoyed his matches so far. He's looked good, but I don't, like you said, I don't know if I need to see him in there every single week. I don't know if he's wrestling next week. I don't think so. I don't think they've announced anything. Um, we'll get into this real quick. Spoiler alert for Rampage tomorrow night. Uh, we were there for the taping right after Dynamite, but following the predictable result of Brian Danielson beating um, you know, Eddie Kingston um, in the opening of the uh, Rampage show and the uh, semifinal match in the AEW World Championship Eliminated Tournament, they teased something backstage with CM Punk and Eddie Kingston, which appears to be the next direction they might be going in for... Would you say full gear, or is that a dynamite match? I think that is a full gear-worthy match, but it seems like they're giving stuff away. Like, Cody Rhodes and Andrade is happening next week on Dynamite, apparently. We didn't see that, but apparently they announced that, and we just completely missed it. They didn't show it to the live crowd. But, um, yeah, so your thoughts on what that next CM Punk feud could be, and I feel like it's taken a little longer than it should be to get there. Yeah, I, I think if you do this at the pay-per-view, it's definitely a good match, but I just, like we are talking about it, I just don't see it being like an actual feud. I think it's just... The next match for for Punk. I mean, the show is a, less than two weeks away. I don't think it's going to be a full on feud. So, it is what it is. I mean, I Cody. I saw the Cody tweeted out. He's like, "Oh, we're giving you a money match on TV." I mean, I guess I don't know. <laughs> money uh, match. So it is what it is. But like you said, I think maybe a Punk actually had a few to be. It would come over well. Like he's just having like random matches with good wrestlers. But like I said, it's like. He's not looking dominant. He's getting taken the limit by everyone. Like, give. He just feel like he has no footing. I guess might be another way to say like he needs an actual feud in this Eddie Kingston direction. Like I said, the show's in two weeks. I mean, when are you gonna build it up as like this big blood feud now? So, mm-hmm. we'll say, but I think he needs more of a direction than just like wrestling guys and just being put on the show because it just I don't know. It just seems random. Yeah, it is random, and I've, it's been fine, and people are eating it up and whatever, and that's fine, but, like, you got to give the guy direction at some point. Like, you just can't keep racking up wins, and maybe the intent is to put him towards the world title picture, and that's why he's racking up as many wins as he is. Maybe that's the purpose behind this, and that's what I tend to believe. Um, I don't know if I need to see him in the world championship picture, though, by the end of the year or by early 2022. Um, I don't know if they would do Punk and Omega that early, but I don't know. We'll see. I've enjoyed his work so far. I'm not. I'm not criticizing it, but I do think he needs some sort of direction beyond full gear. And a match with Eddie Kingston would be great. And I think the promos would be awesome. But again, I feel like it's not really the match that sells me on it. It's more so the promos. And we only have two weeks worth of promos. Um, they have next week's Dynamite, the week after that, I think, and then the pay per view. So they don't really have a lot of time at all, like you said. And I wish they had given this more time than they did. Because it's not like Eddie Kingston's really been involved like in anything much of note lately. He's been kind of bouncing around from match to match and feud to feud. So uh, they could have built this up a lot you know, a lot earlier than they did, but better late than never, and we'll see where they go with it. Um, MJF was in action up next on the show against a man named Bryce Donovan. No idea who the fuck this guy was. I'm lost in a matter of 60, not even 30 seconds to MJF on the show. Um, the angle, the, the focus was more so on the post-match angle with Darby Allen coming back, with Sting taking up the pinnacle, which I completely didn't realize, but apparently the skateboard, as you said, was riddled with thumbtacks. Um, they did that spot. Wardlow's back was shown off on social media afterward or whatever. So obviously this was all designed to further the feud between MJF and Darby Allen heading into full gear, which is now official for that pay-per-view. One-on-one Allen, MJF for that event uh, in November. So looking forward to that. The match itself was what it was. The angle was fine, but like the whole video thing was fucking confusing. Why not just have, why not just keep it simple, dude, and have Darby Allen come out and have his music hit? The place would have gone nuts. I feel like people were a little confused by the whole video thing. And it not, didn't ruin the moment, but it wasn't as special or as as impactful as it could have been. Yeah, I thought, like you said, the match is nothing right home about. MGF beat this guy in like 20 seconds. Um, great on the mic after, but like you said, it was all about the angle after. I think this is probably the best angle they've basically built in the last probably month or two. So I didn't like hate what you're saying. Like the, the video was confusing. It didn't really make a ton of sense, but... It was great to see Darby come back, kind of get back at MJF, or at least the Pinnacle guys, and 
I mean, like I said, this is the best feud they've been building towards full gear, so I really can't complain because I like both guys. I think it's been done well, and I'm interested to see what happens from here. Yeah, consistent storytelling. I don't <laughs> mind it. So uh, do you think we get another, like, do we get a tag team match before full gear with Darby and Sting versus MJF and Wardlow? I feel like they wouldn't do that just because someone would have to lose, and I don't feel like they want anyone in that match to lose at this point. No, I would hold off on that. Who wins the full gear, you think? I think MJF has to win. Both guys are coming off losses, so it's tough to say, but I would rather have MJF win. I feel like if MJF loses, that's where they might start building towards the turn with Ward, though. I mean, we're close to it, but I don't think we're quite ready for that yet. I I talked about this on Hashtag on Wednesday, but I still feel like we're a ways off from that, and I feel like we should be. Yeah, I I think we need to wait on that. Yeah, it's not something you just give away on a whim, so we'll see. Um, Sammy Guevara defending the AEW TNT Championship against All Ego Ethan Page. Good match here. Ethan Page is decent. I mean, he's a pretty solid wrestler, but I I thought this was all Sammy. I told you this while we were watching the match, but Sammy doing the fucking moonsaults and all this other shit, and it was a great spectacle. And the guy's awesome. My biggest nitpick. I mean, as you said, I mean, why do shit that people won't remember tomorrow? But my biggest nitpick with the match was the fact that he does all this crazy, cool-looking shit, and then he wins on a basic roll-up. I mean, is there any real reason to protect Ethan fucking Page at this point through the other Page? I mean, I just don't really see the need in that. And then the whole post-match thing with the inner circle coming out and challenging an American top team to a 5-on-5 match, not even 3-on-3, 5-on-5 of the pay-per-view to a Minneapolis street fight with uh, members of American Top Team. I think of their choosing, I believe. It's so fucking confusing. It's just one giant mess. I enjoyed Guevara and Page, but this whole American Top Team, and we haven't really talked a lot about it, but this whole American Top Team inner circle feed really hasn't done a whole lot for me. Yeah, this match was what it was. I mean, you forgot the uh, jump start of the match, and they, like, they fought outside the ring for like five, ten minutes, and they started the match. Yeah, it was annoying. Uh, and, I don't know, I just don't really care about it. Um, the other page. That's why I call Ethan Page. He's the other page because just is what he is. He's he's decent in the ring, but he's as vanilla as they come. Sammy, like you said, hits all these moon salts and star shooting star presses and beats the guy with a, a fucking schoolboy. I mean, come on, <laughs> it's just stuff like that. It just it bothers me. Now, a couple of matches later on, they have the same kind of finish, which is just bothersome. I just don't get it, but it is what it is. So I liked it. The whole Jericho, like they like Scorpio comes out, beats him up. Then we got to get Jericho's music. He had to make sure he told the music guy and the and the uh, pro, mm-hmm. the pyro guy that he was coming out to hit the pyro. It was like, I don't know. Jericho just, at this point, I'm just kind of over Jericho. Like, the promo after, I mean, he's pandering the crowd. We're going to sing the fucking song a thousand times. I mean, the whole feud I really don't care about. A five and five street fight. Who really cares at this point? They're fucking inner circle. They act like this group is like the NWO. They haven't won anything. <laughs> They've broken up, got back together a thousand times. No one cares. Or I mean, the people that fucking eat the cool, drink the cool, like care, but a normal person doesn't. Who cares? They haven't done shit. <laughs> Jake Hager's terrible. I mean, Jericho's over the hill. I mean, who over the, the whole fucking ATT thing? It's not good. It's just. It's just dumb. I'm over it at this point. I don't really care about the street fight either. Well, like I told you last night, I thought Santana and Ortiz and Guevara were branching off on their own. I feel like that wasn't that the whole purpose of the MJF program over the summer was that Jericho and everyone else would be doing their own thing following Double or Nothing, and now they're back together again for some random program just to get them on the show? Gotta get on. I don't know. Just put Santana and Ortiz in the tag team title mix. I mean, I love FTR, but... It looked like they were building to the Lucha Bros and Santana and Ortiz about a month ago, and they never really followed up on that. I just, I don't know. I just don't get it. And then with Guevara, I feel like the TNT title is wasted in all of this. And the whole, forgot to mention this, the stipulation where Guevara lost, he's out of the inner circle. How fucking dumb was that? I mean, there was no chance that Ethan Page was winning at that point. Not that we ever really thought he was winning, but that made it even more predictable. <laughs> Once they said that, I'm like, why? Like, why? Like, I just don't get that. Like, oh, better simulation. Like, no. Once you like, they're gonna break up. You're building a match. Like, we know, like, <laughs> no sense. Literally, we're building up to this match with the ATT people. Clearly, they're not gonna have them break up because then the match wouldn't happen. So, last month of television, them pushing this would literally be a waste. Just stupid. They do this all the time. Like, oh, if they lose, they're going to never go to the title again. Like, stop. It's stupid. Yeah, the only person that actually happened was, was, was with uh, Cody last year, or two years ago, full gear, actually. 
And um, obviously, he stuck to that stipulation, unfortunately. But I brought it up to you last night with the Bucks and FTR last year. Oh, if the Bucks lose this tag team title match, they can never again challenge for the tag titles. Give me a fucking break. And obviously, they didn't lose. So I just I hate when they do shit like that because it just it, it eliminates all any semblance of drama in these matches. And this one was no exception. Although it was well wrestled, though. Um, I thought the best match of the show was uh, Hakura Shida and Serena Deeb in the AEW TBS Championship Tournament first round matchup. Um, Shida getting her win back over Deep from a few weeks ago. And um, yeah, like I mean, I tweeted and we talked about people were getting up and headed for the hills as soon as this match started. I mean, they stuck around to sing Judas for a second time, but they left as soon as the women's match started. And these are the same fucking people that are complaining, oh, we need more women. Oh, there needs to be more focus on the women. Oh, I got to give them more time. These women got a lot of time. They made the most of the time. They had a great fucking match, but you would never know if you were out going to get your fifth beer of the night. I mean, I just don't understand. I'm not saying that's everyone, but I, I noticed it more with that match than any other match on the show. Dude, Guevara and Ethan Page was completely fucking pointless. Why not go to the bathroom at that point? I mean, we didn't get up at all until we left. Um, so I don't know. I just didn't understand that. But anyway, I thought this was a really good match, and I think Sheeta and Deeb have great chemistry together. Um, Sheeta wins, advancing in the tournament, only to be attacked afterward by Serena Deeb. Uh, the referee's failing to pull off Deeb off of Sheeta was ridiculous. It's one of those dumb wrestling things, but it's more prominent in AEW than anywhere else, unfortunately. Um, but I thought this was a really good match. The result was uh, what it was. Deeb was not going on to face Nyla Rose in the next round. I figured that, so... It was what it was, but um, yeah, no, Sheeta gets his, her 50th win. They further the feud. A rubber match is likely now, so uh, I don't know. I thoroughly enjoyed all of this. I think Deeb is firing in all cylinders right now. I think she's really bringing out the best in Sheeta that we haven't seen up to this point. You know, I thought this was definitely the match of the night. Um, I think the Bolts is good in the ring. Um, Deeb's great. Sheeta's great. Kind of further the feud, like you said, after the match, you attacked her, so maybe get a rubber match down the line. Hopefully it's better than that Seidel, uh, Dante Martin trilogy that was trilogy, <clears throat> but no, I thought it was good. I, like you said, people do complain about the women. Oh, they don't get enough time. But like you said, noticeably, like very noticeable, how many people got up in their seats to go to the bathroom or get drinks or food during like when that match was coming out. Like besides the Brian Danielson Kingston match after that match for Rampage, it was already fucking ten thirty at that point or almost eleven. People <laughs> obviously ran for the hills after that match, but. I mean, besides that, every other match, people stayed where they were. But they want the women to be pushed. But when they put on a the best match of the night, you guys run for the hills. It just doesn't make too much sense. Yeah, I just don't understand that. It's not a company thing either. Like I've said before, like, oh, people can't care about the women's division until the company cares. But, like, these are two of their best women. They've built up the feud. It was a tournament match. I feel like AEW could do all that they could in this case of making people care about the match and people still walked out. So... Very weird. I just was not a fan of that. But the match itself was great. We forgot to mention the fact that Cheetah pulled a fucking chair out of the ring at one point and attempted to use it, and it, looked, it just looked stupid. Um, but other than that, I thoroughly enjoyed this, and I'm sure a rubber match is coming. Um, far better, I think, than the trilogy between Dante Martin and Matt Seidel. And I hope they don't tape the third match between these two women on Rampage, because that is just a notorious death slot where people just don't give a shit. Um, but again, good match. Cheetah uh, moves on. Speaking of tournament matches, we had John Moxley out there knocking off Preston Ten Vance in the AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament quarterfinal match. Match went literally all of two minutes. They, he busted him up. Vance was bleeding from the mask. The mask was basically ripped off. I don't know why we, he, the guy's still wearing a mask at this point. Um, he's the I think the only guy in the group, aside from Evil Uno wearing a mask, and Evil Uno isn't going to take the mask off, but Ten definitely can, but... The match was what it was, pretty standard squash. Moxley moves on. Um, and yeah, I mean, this was, I don't know why fucking Preston 10 Vance was even in the tournament to begin with. It really should be for us, you know, it's like King of the Ring. It really should be the best of the best. And if you don't want people to take losses, that's fine. But put people in there that actually deserve it. And if you're going to put people in there that deserve it, why the fuck is he losing in, in two minutes if you really want to build him up? He gained absolutely nothing from this. He comes away looking from this. He comes away from this match looking like an absolute loser. Uh, but Moxley moves on as we all expected him to, further teasing that heel turn. Um, your thoughts, Mr. Marceau, on Moxley versus Preston Ten Vance in the matter of two minutes on this show? I mean, the match went as long as it should have. Like you said, I have no idea why Preston Vance is even in the tournament. I just, I don't like. But the thing is, also, it's like if you're going to put him in there, why you haven't get him beat in two seconds? It just didn't make too much sense. Yep, yep, but yep. The furthering the Moxley heel turn with him, like just bloodying him up and stuff, but. 
that point, why put him in the tournament? Just doesn't make sense. Moxley wins. I mean, is what it is. It was was it was exactly what it needed to be, but it shouldn't have been on a tournament against some scrub. Like it should have just been a normal match if you're gonna do that. Yeah, I just thought it was weird. And it's not like with Shayna and Dana Brooke in the Queen's Crown <laughs> tournament where it's like she's dominant. Like Moxley, I guess he has been dominant lately, but I don't know. I would rather see him having more competitive matches. Um, so that was what it was. But obviously the right result. Got to get to this, Mr. Marceau. We were just talking about it before we went live here. The Cody Rhodes promo, which we could barely hear over the drunk guy behind us. But if you go back and listen to it, which you did, you can get a good grasp of what he said, bringing up Dustin Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes, bringing up the fact that he won't turn heel. He's not going to give in the pedigree, the world title stipulation. This was like a love letter to the fucking marks of AEW. Um, and people still boot him anyway. I just... I'm glad people are not drinking the Kool-Aid of Cody Rhodes at this point and just cheering him for no reason. Like, he should be booed. The character's not interesting at all. He should be turning heel. People are like, oh, this is great stuff. Keep him a tweener. It's like, it's not good television, though. It's just not. The promo was terrible. I saw people praising this online, saying it was great quality mic work from Cody Rhodes. But what can you honestly tell me that he said in that five- or ten-minute span that actually accomplished anything. He literally spoke in circles for like five or ten minutes. I thought this was just abysmal. I liked what came afterward with Pac coming out and Andrade El Idolo and Malachi Black and whatever, I guess leading to a tag team match. And full gear, we're getting Cody and Andrade next week, which is interesting. Uh, maybe we get the tag team match at the pay-per-view or, I, I don't know, a four-way maybe. But uh, I, I thought the promo itself was completely stupid. I mean... It literally made no sense. And like you said, last night I couldn't understand most of it just because the guy behind us was screaming the entire time. But I went back this morning, rewatched it, and I still made no sense. Started off saying how he could have hit, basically didn't say it, like, but he was going that direction. If he hit the pedigree against Malachi Black, he could have then use his executive power to then become a champion would make it too easy and reverse the stipulation. Like, what does that have to do with anything? Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. Then he brings up the fact that he, that he's like, you have to live in his shoes and like, he never had the big muscles and his brother's a better wrestler than him. And that he could live to 300 years old, but wouldn't have the cultural impact that Dusty had. And that fucking, it's too easy if he turned. Too easy. It just made legitimately no sense. Brought up the fact that he, basically, he's the reason that AEW even happened. Like, even though Tony Khan writes the checks, he was on the vision or some stupid saying. Like, him, it was just like, he was literally going in circles. And just like, it was not good. What followed was like, fine. I mean, the fucking people coming out and then the lights going out like all that stuff just is whatever like how many beat downs did we see last night too many yeah it when you have every segment end in a beat down it really doesn't it just doesn't feel it just literally every segment basically ended with a beat down besides the punk one yep yeah i don't know i just this was such a fucking mess i mean everything you said was accurate it was just all over the place and I, the, the worst part about it is that there's no end game here. Do you think that they honestly think that by him saying this and kind of dismissing, oh, I'm not going to go heel? First of all, just outright say that is stupid um, in, a, in the context of a wrestling promo on television. But what do you think they, they're thinking here? Do you think that people are just going to forget that they don't like Cody and maybe the fact that he's aligned with Pac will endear people to him? Like endear him to people like I don't understand where they think they're going I feel like it's the same Cody bullshit that we've been getting for a while now where it's it's so fucking dumb dude it's so fucking stupid I don't know where they think that they're going with this like is it I know we're getting a tag team match most likely at full gear but like with Cody Rhodes specifically where do they think that we're think that they're going with this I just feel like it's a total waste of time I honestly have no idea I mean, the way the vignettes they've had, like him, like, oh, I'm going to go against my Hollywood roots or, like, whatever the fuck he's been doing. Like, that's not helping either. I just, he just needs to go heal. It's, he's, like, basically, it's, like, basically the John Cena, like, rise above the hate at this point. Like, people want to see him go heal. He's not likable. His character the last year has been a fucking mess, all because of his booking. It's been terrible. And your wife's annoying, and... You literally have a reality TV show exposing the business, and the people that actually like pro wrestling, like, that pisses them off. Like, 
it is what it is, and you need to go heal. And, and I just don't get it. Like, oh, I'm not going to turn, and I'm not going to do this. Like, it's just, it's just not good. And his promos, people think they're like these masterpieces. It's like you said, he literally talks in circles for five minutes and basically gets no. He just says a lot of words with no like content actually in them. Yeah, the worst part about it is that he's been doing this for a while now. We're like where we've said like it's just one feud to the next and one story to the next and blah, 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 blah. And I feel like this is no different. As soon as this story runs its course, it's on to the next thing that has no relation to the last thing. Like the QT Marshall shit at absolute. I mean, I guess that they kind of segue decently into the Malachi Black stuff, but I don't know. I just think this whole thing is dumb and I just, I don't know. We'll see where they go with it. I'm just not a fan of it at all. I think he's just got to bite the bullet and turn heel as other people have said, but I mean, being a tweener is fine, but are you are you really a tweener when you're getting booed 80% of the time? Like, is that the definition of a tweener? No, you're a heel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just fucking dumb. Let's get to the main event, Mr. Marceau. The Dark Order, Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, John Silver, and Cole Cabana taking on all of the elite, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and Adam Cole in a Halloween-themed match. We knew they were coming with costumes. What we didn't know was that they were going to be wearing them the entire match. And was that the entire match would be centered around said costumes. I love the Ghostbusters. I like the elite Ghostbusters costumes. That's where this died for me. And the Dark Order's cowboy costumes, and they had the fucking horse in there, and people acting shocked that Hangman Page was in the Marshmallow Man costume when it was extremely obvious from the get-go. Um, that was pretty dumb. So um, walk me through this and what your thoughts on this were, because I feel like you can explain this a lot better than I can, Mr. Marceau. <sighs> and what was wrong with this match exactly? It everything was wrong with it. I mean, <laughs> the comedy. I just like. I've this is literally my biggest gripe when it comes to AW. It's all the haha. They just can't like. Can you just get your tongue out of your cheek for two seconds? <laughs> they bring Adam Cole in. Great, like he's coming off like literally like the top, pretty much the top guy, one of the top guys in the other company. He's had great his great career in NXT. You bring him in. He's all serious. Okay. Then they do this shit, and he's been getting more kind of goofy and silly the last couple of weeks. And the, he comes out in the costume. I'm like, okay, I'll let it slide because they're probably going to take him off during the match. Nope. They start off. They're fucking. It's like a fucking twenty way. They all have the stupid backpack thing on, or the fucking zoom. I don't even know the vacuum, whatever the fuck you call it. Yep. They're, Omega's like using it in the match. Rick Knox is standing there because he's a fucking useless referee. Jr. pointed out multiple times on the commentary when I rewatched it the morning. He goes, "Why even have a referee? Which why should they? They're like." <laughs> Tony Schiavone is unbearable in commentary. He's laughing it up. He thinks it's so funny that fucking John Silver's using his fucking stupid deer horn to hit someone. And then it just there's non-tagging. There's guys in and out. It's just a fucking mess. It's a spot. It's a spot fest. And that's exactly what this audience likes because this is literally PWG with a fucking budget. There's no no sense. It's all about tongue in cheek, everyone laughing. Like it just, it, the matches did not. I was like legitimately like pissed. I wanted to leave honestly after. <laughs> and just not a good match. And everyone's like losing their mind. I'm like, if they, you're it? not having fun. You don't like wrestling, dude. The spot that the young bucks literally DDT'd each other was the point I wanted to leave. I'm like, this <laughs> is so fucking dumb, so dumb. And then fucking Pizzeria Uno gives the referee his guy's foot, and he fucking. Gives him a neck breaker. And it makes no sense. Like I said, there's guys coming in and out. Like I said, I don't even know why they have a referee because you don't need a tag in. You can just come in whenever you want. They're not going to kick you out anyways. It's just, it's a mess. And I don't understand how people think that's good. Oh, well, it's funny. It's fun. How is that fun? There's literally no rules to the match. Yeah, there's no true, rules. Yeah. They literally, tag, the worst thing is they tag each other in like that's a thing. Like you can tag four people in. Like that's never been a thing in wrestling. Mm-hmm. And like, it just and I, I and listening to the commentary, there's plenty of times that Jr. sounds like he's about to say something and he just shuts his fucking mouth because he's fucking embarrassed to be calling <laughs> this a fucking joke. But Tony Schiavone is a oh my god, he's unbearable. He's the Kool Aid. He just laughs through everything. Oh, this is great. Yeah, because you're getting a fucking paycheck. I mean, come on. It's it's, it's I don't, like I saw on Twitter people eating the shit up. If you don't like this, you don't like wrestling. If you think that's wrestling, then you need to get your fucking dick damn it. 
Oh my god. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's all subjective, obviously, but I feel like, like I told you, I don't mind the, the comedy stuff, but when they go overboard with it like they did here, like, I don't mind most of the spot fest that these guys have every single week on the show. You fucking hate it. I, I think most of it is fine. This was just taken to an all-new level. To me, I think the worst part about it was the fact that we're in the midst of this serious program right now between Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. It's probably the most anticipated match in AEW's very short history. Uh, the build has been great to the company's credit. The character arcs, specifically for Hangman, not so much Kenny, has been great the last couple of months, over the last two years. We are two weeks away from this match, Mr. Marceau. This was their first official face-to-face interaction since Hangman came back, and it was wasted on Hangman wearing a fucking marshmallow costume to give the Dark Order a win over the Elite. I mean, I guess the Dark Order finally won something, which is nice. Um, wasn't nothing on the line, of course. I don't see them going for the tag titles. The Bucks aren't the champions anymore, so what is really gained from this? The answer is nothing. But I just feel like this was the wrong time to do this match, and in the main event, too. I did not feel like a main event at all with all that bullshit going on, but... I feel like the timing could not be worse with the pay-per-view coming up in a few short weeks. And all the focus should be on Hangman and Omega having this serious feud. And, you know, the Hangman's drinking problems was a whole, you know, uh, part of the story for a while. And it's kind of been forgotten about. I just feel like you're taking a lot of luster off your main event when you do dumb shit like this. I feel like this is the type of garbage you save for, like, the Jericho Cruise when it's not televised and stuff. Not on your flagship show. I feel like that was a, a, a major just misstep here as far as the build for Omega and Page is concerned. You just don't know if wrestling, you don't know funny. Hey, if you're not a fan of this, you're not a fan of professional wrestling. That's what I was told. Yeah, I just, like you said, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, it is what it is, I guess. It just, I feel like it's the same shit. It's, the elite guys is the same shit every week, so I'm just, it's a broken record at this point. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, with Omega probably... Does he lose, or do you think they have him keep the title and keep Omega or Hangman in chase mode? I think I think Omega's going to beat him. You really think so? Yep. Wow. Do you think they go back to it and have Hangman win then? Nope. No, really? I think he's done. I think they're going to move right past him. Who do you think is going to be the person? Then Danielson? Danielson. Wow. Interesting. I feel like this might... <laughs> Do you think the last sight of Hangman in, uh, in the main event picture could be him in a fucking marshmallow costume? Could be. I, I think he's I think he's done in the... In, I, just, I don't know. Everything the way it's booked, I just don't think he's going to go over. Hmm. I don't I mean, know if I think he... I, at this point, I don't know if he should at this point. You think... Why do you say that? I just feel like he's not... Like, Daniel Bryan... Like, why are you building Bryan up then at that point? Like, why are you building him up so much to do nothing? He's not going to face Hangman. Yeah. And if Omega loses, I feel like they're going to pivot to him and Cole, it seems like. So, I don't know. I just, I don't know. And I feel like if Hangman wins the belt, then what do you do with Brian at that point? I think you could do Hangman and Brian, and he beats Brian. I feel like you could do that. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not saying it's a slam dunk that Paige wins. I feel like you're no, definitely right. it's definitely right. not a slam dunk. It's definitely not a slam dunk. No, it's not a slam dunk either way. I feel like it could very much go either way, which is... Interesting, I guess. I don't know. I maintain, and I know this wasn't anyone's fault because he had to take time off, but I feel like the time to do this match was at all out. I feel like it doesn't feel like as big of a deal now as it did back over the summer. Hangman's still obviously very over. I just don't have the same level of anticipation or excitement. I mean, that's not just because I'm not going, because we were at, I was at all out, so I don't I might understand that, but I just feel like I just don't have the same level of excitement because this did nothing to make me look any any more forward of that match of full gear than it you know, whatever they've done previously. Yeah, I think, like, we said this before, and obviously what happened happened. There's nothing you can do about it. Like, his wife had a kid, and or he had a kid, so, like, that's it. But, like, he was the most over he was going to be at All Out. It was before Punk, and, uh, Punk was just coming in, same with Brian. But, like, that was when he was the hottest, and once you bring those bigger superstars in, it just kind of, like, he's, a, like, the thing is, too, is, like, he's popular with their crowd, but, like, it's not like he's, like, more people know who, like, Brian Danielson are, Punk sure. and stuff. He's over with their crowd, but so is Pocket, so, I mean, <laughs> it's not like, I feel like everyone's over. There's not like, I don't think there's, like, that's the problem. I feel like with their audience, everyone's over. Mm-hmm. Either you get, like, I don't think, no, like, no one doesn't get a reaction. Not that that's a bad thing, but, like, every single person that comes out gets a reaction. And that's the pr- difference, like, Everything's great. Everything's great. Like, 
there's no difference between a superstar or a bum because they literally everyone gets the same reaction yeah that's i could see that i can understand that there is something to be said for everyone you know i i enjoy the fact that people are over to a certain extent but where's the barometer there because i feel like there's it's not like more people some people are more over than others it's kind of an equal reaction for most people it's kind of the same thing with wwe but a far different issue i think i mean i think the wf is more of a you you go to a show there's more people that get less of a reaction than other people but i feel like aw like they were fucking chanting Aubrey. They're, Aubrey was getting over. Aubrey was getting over for Christ. Like, <laughs> referee. She was getting more of a pop than freaking Dana Brookwood on Raw. She's a referee. And Taz. <laughs> when, <laughs> when Taz came out the kid next to Graham, I think legitimately lost his load. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding at all. Kid went ape shit. It was wild. And there's a difference between, like, when Jim Ross came out, like, people stood up and they clapped, and it was, like, this courteous, like, oh, you know, we like Jim Ross and whatever. Like, people went nuts for Taz, which is good that people like Taz, and it's not a problem that these people are over, but when everyone's getting those type of reactions, it doesn't really, like, if if that's the superstar reaction that Hangman is getting, then if Taz is getting that same reaction, they just put the title on Taz, like, I don't know. I just, I, I don't like the comedy bullshit when they go too much into it, and, uh, Full gear is a real test, man. If they don't have him go over there, then if they if they go back to it at another point, it's been so fucking long. I'm just ready for this to be over. I'm ready for the elite shit to be over. It feels like it's going on forever. I'm ready for Adam Cole to go do his own thing. Uh, the whole Hangman Page stuff has kind of run its course after full gear. They cannot possibly extend this another show. It's got to be on that show where he wins. And if he doesn't, I fear that that's it. And I might be wrong, but... I just, uh, I don't know. I don't have high hopes for him if he loses a full gear because I feel like the people just, like you said, Danielson is probably winning the tournament. So I feel like they'll be more behind Danielson and Punk than they would be Paige who they might look at as a loser. So I feel like he's got to win. Um, right. But yeah. any yeah, over- yeah, you said you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any overall thoughts on the episode itself as we talked about earlier? Uh, that was kind of the end of the Dynamite portion. We stayed around for Rampage up until the Baker-Abaddon match. I said peace out and we left. Um, but beyond that, I thought it was a good show. I mean, the main event was uh, very polarizing, to say the least. Um, but the rest of the show I thought was pretty good, and uh, I look forward to the next AEW show we can go to in the in the area, I think. Yeah, I thought, like I said, I thought it had its good points. I thought the middle of the show was like, the, the beginning of the show was the best part. With Punk and Fish, MGF, um, the, 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 the first hour was really good, and then I felt like that's when it started going off the rails a little bit after that. Because um, I think Deeb and... Uh, Serena was right after that, or Serena and uh, Sheeta was right after that. Mm-hmm. So once what Jericho came out and they did the whole ATT stuff, leading to the end, of the show was just at that point I was like, okay, let's wrap it up. So it was a good start. By the end, I was kind of over it. Then Rampage. I thought Danielson and and uh, Eddie Kingston was it was fine. I mean, it's not my cup of tea. I'm not a big like strong style. You slap me, I slap you kind of guy. So <laughs> if you like that stuff, which a lot of those people that like AEW like I mean that's right up your alley like mm-hmm. it just, I just that doesn't really do much for me I mean the trilogy between Shidel and Dante Martin I think I dozed off for a second and then we literally <laughs> just stayed to see Britt Baker come out and then once Abaddon came out we fucking split I saw on the internet the match was terrible too so really they said like it had a ton of sloppy botches and stuff Abaddon well I mean is it any surprise Abaddon's awful dude she spit blood out it's the Halloween episode. You got to put Abaddon in the main event. Terrible. Hey, better her than Luther. Actually, I don't know about that. They're pretty bad equally. Yep. God, terrible. Anyway, Mr. Marceau, it was a fun time. I looked forward to uh, I looked forward to that show for a long time. It was like a good eighteen months. Um, I don't know, something like that. Twenty months in the making. Something, something crazy like that. We were supposed to go in April of last year. Um, yeah, it would be eighteen months. It was eighteen months ago we were supposed to go and. Finally got it done, and it was a fun time, and uh, it's a much different roster, a much different company than what it looked like 18 months ago, so I'm kind of glad they uh, they waited as long as they did, because now we have all these people in the company. We got to see in person from Adam Cole, Punk, Brian, and all these other people, so I'm sure they'll be back in Boston at some point in the not-too-distant future, because it seems like it was a very uh, pretty packed crowd for the most part, but it looked like people started to leave right after the Danielson match. After that, once Matt Seidel and Dante Martin started, people were either on their phones or on their way out. Yep. So, we'll see how it pans out for the next one. And uh, 
Yeah, we'll see about Survivor Series. That's coming up in a few short weeks. I still don't know the status on that, but we'll figure that one out as it comes. Um, but before I let you go, Mr. Marceau, I do want to get your thoughts on the Ring of Honor news real quick. It actually broke right around the time that I saw you yesterday. Ring of Honor shutting down operations um, beyond the final battle pay-per-view in December. From that point up until April, they're taking the time to reimagine and reevaluate uh, Ring of Honor, whatever the fuck that's supposed to mean. And uh, going into April of 2022, all the roster members uh, who are currently under contract from the Jay Lethals to Roosh, Bandito, um, Matt Taven, uh, Mike Bennett, EC3, among other people, will all be released from their contracts and be allowed to, I guess, work wherever they want. They might even start now. I feel like they're still under contract now until the end of the year or until April or the spring of next year. But I think they're able to appear now wherever they want. Like their world champion Bandito could show up in any promotion he wants, like tomorrow, I guess, if they wanted to. I mean, that could be wrong, except he just can't sign a contract. So uh, pretty crazy stuff. I mean, they resumed shows about a year ago, and unfortunately, they never really found their fire again after the Elite left. And you know, they put all their they put all their eggs in the Elite basket, and they spent all their time building them up only for them to leave. And it was only real downhill from there with all their shows and whatever. Um, it's a real shame, but uh, I know you're not an avid viewer of Ring of Honor, but I wanted to get your two cents in the situation. Yeah, I mean, it's def- definitely not good, but I just feel like the rise of All Elite literally was the death to most of those smaller indie promotions because, I mean, that's where the, all those guys went, so is what it is. Yeah, a lot of those guys. I mean, the first crop of AEW people literally all came from Ring of Honor. Hangman, Cody, Bucks, SCU, among others, were all Ring of Honor guys, and they all left the exact same time. And it was a big blow. Um, And a lot of the people that we see today in WWE and NXT and on AEW TV and other promotions all came from Ring of Honor, our former Ring of Honor world champions, and it just never really was able to find its footing again after that, so... Not a good situation. Hopefully they can rebound at some point. <clears throat> Unfortunately, it's not looking good, um, especially if the, if the talent is able to appear anywhere else and they're all being released. So I, I don't know what talent would want to stick around and hope to be picked up by Ring of Honor if you know when and if they even come back next year. I mean, they would have to be the biggest fucking loyalist in the world to stick around for a company that may or may not relaunch unless they just can't get booked anywhere else. But, uh, man, that is fucking... It's crazy. I mean, we see all these other promotions benefiting from the Forbidden Door and all this talent being out there and whatever, but it just it just hasn't been good for them for a while, so that's a real shame. But, yeah, um, that's the Ring of Honor news. And anything else you want to discuss, Mr. Marston, that might come to mind that we haven't discussed here yet on the show as we uh, wind down here? That's about it, yes, sir. That's about it. I look forward to the next one, Mr. Marceau, next week here on the show. Um, probably just breaking down Raw. We didn't talk about Raw here today. It was a pretty abysmal season premiere, but we'll get more back to the WWE stuff next week and Survivor Series coming up, and it's going to be a bit of a break before Survivor Series season starts up again in a few weeks. But uh, one last quick question for you. Any costume, uh, any ideas for what you guys are doing for your costume this weekend? I think I forgot to ask you. Nothing. I don't know yet. We're figuring it out still. Really? And you got your party on Saturday? Might have to run the Halloween Spirit. Oh my god, Halloween Spirit. We went there a couple of days ago. We went there actually like a week ago, and Alexis was all mad that we went so late because I guess they they get rid of all their good stuff by this point, but like, why wouldn't they have it year-round? I guess you sell out of stuff, but I don't know. I guess I, I would rather go closer to Halloween personally, but whatever. Um, she's going as someone from Squid Game. How about that? How do you be someone from Squid Game? She picked out the outfit, and one of the people that gets killed, I guess, like she dressed up with the, the sweatsuit and whatever. So, if you come across the Squid Game costume, you can always do that. But if you need any, cust- uh, any, any, you know, couple costume ideas, and Molly doesn't want to do it, let me know, Mr. Marceau. I might have time on uh, Saturday. I can swing by and help you out. Sounds good. Sounds good, Mr. Marceau. Enjoy your Halloween weekend, and I'll catch your ass next week, brother. See you later.